Hey, Sean Gaby here. Welcome to the Supernatural Leadership Podcast. Wherever you are listening from, we are glad that you have joined us. Please follow us on Instagram at Sean Gaby and at Supernatural Leadership Podcast and or visit kingdomculture.ca or seangaby.com for more engaging content around topics we will be discussing. As well, you would love it if you would leave a review on this podcast as it helps boost our ability to get this content out to more people. If you are new with us today, just want to inform you that we will be releasing a new episode on the first Wednesday of every month and every so often a bonus episode. So make sure to hit the subscribe button so you can keep up to date with every episode. There are so many great leadership podcasts out there and truthfully, I love so many of them. So why supernatural leadership? Really, it's the difference between presence and principle as we discuss in episode one. The very first episode of this podcast really sets the tone for the why and purpose for this podcast. I would encourage you to have a listen if you haven't already. Simply put, we believe everyone has a leader within them at some capacity. Whether you're a CEO, non-for-profit director, media mogul, church leader, pastor, small business owner, manager of teams, a dad, a mom, and well, the list could go on. If everyone has a leader within them, why not make that leader a little more supernatural? That's the heart and goal behind this podcast, helping you connect your natural with God's super, making your leadership a little more supernatural. At the end of every episode, there will be practical activations and exercises to help us grow and mature in the various areas discussed. Thank you for listening to the Supernatural Leadership Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome again to another Supernatural Leadership Podcast episode. My name is Sean Gaby. Thank you so much for stopping by. Thank you for taking the time to subscribe, rate, review this podcast, share it with your friends. It means the world. Please let us know how this leadership podcast has been uh, touching your leadership, how it's been transforming your leadership. We want to hear about it. As you know, we've been doing a lot more engaging uh, chats and interviews over the last several months. And today is another special one with someone that I've known now for, I would say, 17 years or no, maybe not 17 years, but for 15 years, somewhere in there. And her name is Fatine Griseski. And I'm going to read a little bit of her bio just to give you a little bit of a snapshot of who she is, what she's about, uh, a little bit of her street cred. Um, so I'm going to read it to you just to give you a little bit of understanding of who we're chatting with today. Fatine Griseski has been an in humanitarian and advocacy worker since 1997. In this time period, her areas of focus have included equipping Canadians in the democratic process, combating human trafficking, racism, poverty, First Nations issues, elder abuse, and women's issues. In 2018, Fatine launched her National Issues Commentary Show, which is about to enter its seventh season. Fatine TV, speaking to the issues shaping the nation in Canada, airs weekly on eight networks nationwide and on social media. In May of 2021, she launched a second national TV show. Her work has been featured on various national and regional news outlets across Canada. She was recognized by Charisma Magazine as one of the world's top 21 most influential next generation leaders and has been awarded the ANCJ Emerging Leadership Award in Jerusalem. 
She has spoken to parliamentary committees, organized and hosted events in which multiplied thousands have attended, been on a regular guest on television shows, and is regarded as a voice on social justice and democratic issues. Her passion is to help Canadians understand important issues that our nation faces, how our governmental leaders are responding legislatively, and empower grassroots Canadians to be a part of the change Canada needs at this time through political engagement. She is married to Robert and has two children. Together, they reside in Quispamsis, New Brunswick. I didn't, wasn't sure if I was going to say that right. Fatine, welcome to the Supernatural Leadership Podcast. How are you doing? Oh my gosh, Sean, I'm so happy to be here. I love you and Michelle so much. Uh, you're a legend, man. You've got, I think you've doubled me on the children factor. That that in itself uh, is a huge street cred, in my opinion. And you know, just love what you guys do, love what you're about, and it's a lot of fun to be here with you today. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you so much. The privilege is mine. I you know have to say that that bio is a mouthful. Very inspiring. Just mind blowing. All the things that you've done and are doing. Over the years, I mean, I said it in the beginning, I thought I thought I met you in 2004, but actually I realized I met you in 2006, but not the conventional way. You may not remember this, but I was living in Alaska. You were living in, I don't know if it was Mission BC or somewhere in Vancouver. And I had heard uh, that you were working with Patricia King and helping her lead her free spiritual reading outreach street outreaches or something like that. I forget what it was called, but it was like free God readings or something. And she had told me to connect with this girl named Fatine because I had reached out to their ministry saying, listen, I'm leading these things in Alaska. I really would love to pick someone's brain on how you go about doing this. Really, the whole premise was, you know, basically just prophesying for hours on the street, but we were advertising it as free, spiritual, and they were readings, reading people's hearts, asking God to read people's hearts and spirits. So I called you, I got your number somehow, and I called you, this was in 2006. I don't know if you remember this at all, but yeah, we chatted yeah, over the yeah, phone. It might, even, it might have even been a bit earlier than that, because I think that those are the extreme prophetic days. It might have been like 2003, 2004. No, you know what? No, you're right. Okay, my timelines are out. I was living in Alaska in 2004. I was right. So it has been 17 years. There you I go. I was right. 2004, I was living in Alaska. <laughs> And that's when I called you. Yeah. Crazy. And, uh, you know, honestly, I remember like since that point, because that that season in Alaska was part of the main launching pad for everything that I'm doing today. I developed my first supernatural school out of that out of that space. I was leading these outreaches on the street all the time. Out of that came a school, came curriculum. And then I started traveling around the world. Then I began to work with Patricia King. And did some stuff with her on her TV show back in the very, very beginning days when it was called Extreme Prophetic. And she was recording in Alberta and Lethbridge. And uh, so, I mean, that was the launching pad. So you, you've, I feel like you've been a, a little bit a part of actually a big part of my journey and even connecting me with so many amazing uh, world changing leaders. So I just got to say, thank you. You're an inspiring leader. You truly are, and this is not to just toot your horn, but you truly are one of the most powerful, real, integral believers that I know. And you, you power, you, you pack the punch of both the power of God, the strategy, the smarts, the brilliance, and the supernatural. And it's just absolutely 
uh, awe-inspiring. So enough about that. I want to get into your journey as a supernatural leader and just give us a little bit of an introduction into how you begin to cross the line of just being a good leader, good principles, to a presence-led leader where you saw the value of bringing the supernatural everywhere you go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, there, there's two things that are just booming in my heart as, as we're talking. And and that's a, for me, like when I even think back to those days on the streets of Vancouver, like what would motivate you to go to commercial drive at one o'clock in the morning, you know, a bunch of people, you know, spilling out of the bars and, uh, you know, what would motivate you just to stake out there and just want to give to people in by praying for them, by offering to pray for them and to prophetically pray for them. And, you know, the only thing that could motivate you to do that would be love, compassion. Right. You know what I mean? Because especially in this current environment, like in Canada right now, where there's such a toxicity around the impression of Christianity that's been created, like through the media and stuff like it, it takes a lot. It takes a lot to kind of stick yourself out there and say, you know what, I, I actually want to live a vibrant faith. And a part of living a vibrant faith is loving people around me and, and giving in the ways that I can. And, you know, Sean, I think in this, you know, day and age, there's so much need, but one of the biggest needs that we have right now in Canada is just for encouragement, right? <laughs> for yeah. people just to, to totally. be encouraged, to know that everything's going to be okay. And I just want to say, like, for me, like, you know, that bio that you rattled off there, you know, it's like, I got tired, just kind of listening to that. Like that's stretched out right now over like two decades. Right. But the anchor points um, and the the motivation for every single one of those bullet points is care for people. It's yeah. compassion. Is that I I actually love and so for me that starting point is really critical because if you don't love then like I, I don't know I don't know how people go the distance and doing like these crazy things you know what I mean unless you're yeah. incredibly selfishly ambitious and you know just all you want to do is just you know, there's the lust for money lust for power for me that's not enough a lust for money a lust for influence lust for power it just I guess boring after a while that that's not going to be my Gatorade for for a two decade journey of just continuing to to believe and take risks and build team and all that comes with with you know just walking this walk but if your anchor point is compassion and your anchor point is and I'll, I'll put it this way like I know a lot of your viewers I'm assuming not all of them are but I know a lot of your viewers are coming from a Christian faith context but if your anchor point is the love of God that compels you your anchor point is love for him and then out of that love for him he because he's such a lover like he loves people so much that if you're spending any time with him and you know you're you're getting to sync your heart with his heart then what's going to happen is your love for him is going to then translate into a love for people a love for the broken and for me I'm just, I'm like a social justice girl to the core, you know, and th that love for people translates into fighting for the oppressed. It's, it translates into fighting for those that need a defender. And so, you know, in order to do that effectively in this day and age, you know, it just, it helps to have some tools in your kit, like uh, a spirit of faith 
you know, like being like that, that's, I, I believe a spirit of faith is one of the, the most powerful supernatural um, uh, elements that you can have, you know, in, in, and because it causes you to do things that other people won't do. It causes you to take risks, to take those big steps that just seem crazy, you know, um, you know, but also being hearing, hearing God's voice, you know, knowing yeah. that if we don't have a, a, a relational connection to that anchor point of our motivation, right, which is, is the, the love of God that's propelling us to do these crazy wild things, then, you know, compassion without wisdom, compassion without direction, compassion without understanding is just going to be a skid out, right? So, um, you know, so it, it, it's critical. And so for me, and what I love about you is, um, you know, this passion to hear the voice of God. And I've, I've seen that in you, Sean, over the years where you have just consistently sharpened this, this ability to hear the voice of God. But without that, you know, it's just, it's hit or miss and mostly a skid out. And so I think those are two really key anchor wow. points, you know, that, that are critical as a starting point for any supernatural journey is what is your motivation? Yeah. You know, what is your motivation? Cause Huge. that's, what's going to give you Gatorade long-term. And then, you know, that motivation leads you to strive to just be better, which includes having an, an anchor point of wisdom as well. Yeah, totally. That's huge. And, you know, when I look at you and I kind of said it a little bit earlier, but just to kind of redefine what I what I see over you is like you are a very well you're almost uh, an anomalytic leader, if I could say that you're you're an anomaly because you're a very well rounded, balanced, powerful, supernatural leader. I think a lot of people can be extremely gifted. And then lack stability, lack character, lack integrity. And then a lot of people could be extremely still kind of living on that side, but then kind of not explore their gifts and miss out on the potential that God has for their leadership. But you have been able to really, I feel like, model the balance of all those things. I mean, you're very business-minded. You're, I I believe you are, you're a brilliant business person. You may not think of yourself like that, but you are and how you've been able to build, manage, um, you know, build teams, but also just step out and do the impossible. And you need a business mindset, a visionary mindset, an entrepreneurial mindset to do a lot of what you've done, all of what you've done. And I think you, you're very strong there. You're very strong in your ability to see stewardship as I think one of the greatest I, I believe strengths of a believer is being able to steward the opportunity that God puts in front of us and do it well. You have a spirit of excellence over your life. And then you, you have this ability, and I've seen it as well. I've watched you. you you're, you're able to also be hyper strategic and couple that with hearing the voice of God, which is also very, it's, it's an anomaly, I feel like, because often it's very easy to be hyper spiritual like I said, but then like unstable and almost the opposite of strategic because you're just always living sort of on cloud nine. You're able to take what God is saying and ground it. You're able to take it and earth it. You're able to kind of partner and balance out both worlds really well. And I believe that I think a lot of your success, I mean, we know obviously it's God's grace, but a lot of your success, I believe, and, and what I, I would view anyways uh, as your success has come because you've been able to steward and balance 
the the value of both and you've not thrown out one for the other and you've you've kind of always lived in that middle space and so it's very admirable and uh i love that you're involved in government i love that you've since i've known you really got to know you like government has always been a thing that you've just seemed to be latching onto to penetrate to influence to pray for i mean all the projects and endeavors you've done over the last two decades. I mean, a lot of them have been governmentally focused. And even as of recently, you've stepped into another dimension of, of, you know, your heart and love for influencing governmental leaders and the, the shape of this nation. And so I'd love for you just to dive there in the beginning. Let's go there for a bit. What was your journey into having a passion for influencing our government and the nation of Canada that we live in? Wow. Well, well, first of all, Sean, I want to say thank you for being so gracious and kind with all those words. You know, I heard somebody say once, if somebody says like something outlandishly complimentary to you, just agree with them because when two or more are gathered, it will be established. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, awesome. Yeah, I'll, I'll take it by faith just awesome. uh, for the sake of progress. So, um, you know, that, that's a big question. I think, um, you know, I am, I am a doer you know, and, and that's just a part of my nature. I'm not one of these people to like hang out at Starbucks and complain about an issue. Like I heard somebody say once that, you know, if you see something that needs to be changed, that's probably an indication of your assignment <laughs> of your calling, especially if it's one of those things that you just can't get off of you like a bag fake tan, you know? So I remember it was back in the early 2000s and I was not at all at all political like i love the poor i love justice i loved being an advocate i was not political um, my dad played nhl hockey i thought the senators were a hockey team <laughs> like i was illiterate i was politically illiterate 100%, <laughs> no clue um but at that time there was some stuff that was being passed and you know at that time sean i really resonated with like being a part of the next generation you know that was just i was i, I felt that you know and so there were things that were being said by um particularly the prime minister at the time a prime minister paul martin that'll date me a bit here um and he would say things like you know the next generation wants this and the next generation wants that and we're doing this and we're passing this legislation because the next generation and i was like what you know <laughs> i'm like i'm a part of the next generation and i like totally disagree with you you know and i realized the penny dropped for me at that moment this isn't super spiritual this is the practical stuff and i realized you know what if he actually thinks that that's what the next generation believes, then that's on me because I clearly haven't told them any different. Wow. <laughs> you know? I was like, that's wow. on me. That's not on him. Like if, if that is the only voice that he's hearing from the next generation, then that's not his fault. That's my fault for not bringing an effective, impactful voice. And I, I learned very early on as we started. So we, we took this team, went across Canada. We figured out what MLAs and MPPs were en route, like literally like Google searching. Um, and, uh, you know, I learned very early, early on that um, honor is really, really critical when you're dealing with people of influence. And, you know, honestly, that's a lost art. You know, we we are a generation and, and not just our generation, but the next generation. I, I hate to say it, but we've just, we've been raised with this sort of right to be bitey kind of mentality, like the right to criticize or almost the duty, you know, like I've, I've noticed over the years that it's like, we, you know, you love somebody until they get elected. And then two weeks after, you know, it's like, you know, shooting range, you know, unleashed upon them in terms of all the, all the things that they're not 
stepping up on, right? Like this, this critical yeah. spirit. And, yeah. and so, you know, and call this, I actually do think this is a supernatural key because, you know, it actually says in, in the book of Exodus, um, honor your father and mother, and you will inherit the land that I'm about to give to you. And there's this direct connection between uh, walking in a spirit of honor and loosing a blessing when it comes to stepping into destiny and inheritance. And, um, you know, that just exploded in my heart in the early days, like juicy fruit, you know, I just knew like the right thing said in the wrong way, like anyone who's Absolutely. married, right? The right thing said in yep. the wrong way is toxic, but the right thing said with a demeanor of respect, uh, with a compassionate motivation, with an empathy, with, you know, there, here's another supernatural key. The, the love believes the best. You know, if you're sitting down with, with someone that you disagree with and you can't believe the best about their heart and why they believe um, what they believe, you're, you're not rooted and grounded in love. And so, so we just began to speak our truth, you know, to use a modern day um, phrase. And we began to just connect with these members of parliament and senators all across Canada and give them evidence that what our prime minister at that time was saying was out of sync with what all young Canadians believed. And Sean, because we did it in a spirit of honor, because we did it in a spirit of honor, it opened doors that literally shocked me, literally shocked me. You know, we had members of parliament in tears saying, you don't understand. Like we have never had, like we were expecting to be beat up by you guys. We were expecting to be thrown under the verbal bus. Wow. Uh, you know, we were expecting to be in and out of this meeting in 10 minutes because we really didn't want to do it. But, you know, it's two hours later and we're having to tell these MPs that we need to go to the next meeting because they're so um, open and receptive to what we have to share simply because we applied the principle, and this is a spiritual principle, wow. of honoring, honoring those in authority, of considering others better than yourself, of believing the best about people. And it's amazing how, how far that goes. And that's, that's a principle like across the board that'll apply in your marriage and that'll apply with your kids, that'll apply totally. in your yeah. businesses in all of your transactions that honor really is a supernatural key. And, you know, I'll let you interject now, but that was kind of part of our starting yeah. point was just seeing an issue, seeing our responsibility and being a part of the change for that issue. And then entering into that realm, even though we didn't know much about it um, in a spirit of faith, uh, but also with the fruit of the spirit, right? With, with yeah. the, the character of love. And I have to say like, you know, just for those listening, because I've had the privilege of watching Fateen over the last 17 years and kind of go down these different paths. And I actually have had the privilege to be a part of some of these moments and events where she's modeled on her. She really does. You really do model everything you just said. Like I've watched you do it. And it's one thing to interview somebody and talk to somebody about what they believe and not know if they actually do what they believe. But I've witnessed you actually do what you believe and then witness sort of the outcome and the fruit, like you just said. And uh, you've done it over and over again. And even in the last season, like as you become more governmentally focused and more media charged on so many levels, you've still held your tongue. Like so many people in this day and age are like literally lacerating political leaders left, right, and center on all platforms. 
And here you are a very strong voice in the land in Canada. And I just feel like there's still like you, you've kept your heart right. And I think if there's anything that we can take away right now, it's the spirit of honor protecting the heart because out of the heart flow Proverbs 24 flow, the issues of life, all the things that can cause us to go left or right in a negative way and not walk straight in God's way happen because we don't protect our heart. And ultimately it's because we're letting our tongue loose. We're not guarding our tongue. I think guarding your tongue really is a demonstration that you're protecting your heart because out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth communicates, the mouth speaks. And you've done very well at that. Give, give us a little bit like, before we kind of touch up a little bit of the media, I want to go there in a little bit, but just give us like a milestone, crazy, does that have to be, well, it could be crazy or kind of semi-crazy, but a milestone, like supernatural leadership moment where, yeah, okay, you honored, you kind of came into beginning to influence the influencers of our country in government. Was there like a moment, was there a supernatural story, kind of like Daniel, where you, God led you in such a way that made no sense. It wasn't logical. You didn't pick up the phone. You didn't call so-and-so. Can we have a meeting? It just, the way God led you was like, it could only be attributed to God opening the door. Can you kind of, kind of share a story about that kind of to encourage our journey as supernatural leaders? Hey everyone, I want to bring an interruption for a short commercial break and ask you a question. Are you interested in diving deeper and not just hearing, but recognizing the voice of God? Are you wanting to learn how to incorporate the voice of God into your workplace environment, business endeavors, and or any other sphere of influence you were called to? Well, guess what? We as a supernatural leadership community have exciting news as of this fall. We are launching our first online module of our Supernatural Leadership School. These first nine lessons will be focused around the voice of God. I'm so excited about this, as this subject is the core of our leadership culture. This online e-course is for you. It will come with a very detailed workbook manual to assist you with the course, plus lots of other incredible additions. So stay tuned, Supernatural Leadership Community family, and keep watch at SeanGaby.com. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, you had tipped me off in advance that you were going to be asking this question, so I appreciate that. But the one story that really came to my mind, and this is actually a story, I'm going to try to bullet point this shot and, and rattle it off as fast as I can. But this is a story that unfolded uh, literally over about three or four years. And there was a series of steps of faith and obedience that led to a catalytic moment that, you know, we won't know for sure until we get to eternity. But, you know, I, I estimate that probably hundreds of thousands of lives were saved because of where the end of this story landed. And um, <clears throat> what it was is this was probably in around 2007, I had a dream and I, I'm not a person, I don't get a lot of dreams. I'm not, you know, you actually probably like give, I outnumber me 10 to one on, on this one, Sean, but I, I do know when I, when I have a dream and, and it's not just a pizza dream, you know what I mean? Where you kind of wake up and there's this brooding sense that no, there's a message in this that I need to pay attention to. So in those moments, you know, journaling your dream down, meditating on it. If you don't know what it means, reaching out to people that understand dream language and getting some help and counsel on that is always wise. But I, this was a dream basically where 
part of the message was the dream of the dream was that the Knesset, which is the governmental building in Israel, that the Knesset would be the elevator to parliament. Like in the dream, I, I stepped into the Knesset, it turned into an elevator and it brought me up to a higher place in parliament. Wow. And, um, and there were a series of other things in the dream, but there's this one element of the Knesset being the elevator to parliament. Well, by this point, we were already leading teams to parliament on an annual basis, at least to speak to our government officials about things that we cared about. We were already very involved and we were already very aware of the um, very powerful spiritual principle of honor and how honor opens doors. And it's a, there's a blessing release when we walk in a spirit of honor, according to uh, that commandment, right? And uh, to honor your fathers and mothers and you'll inherit the land. So, so part of that, you know, we knew as, as believers, we were a, a young Christian movement that, you know, one of our aspects of a spiritual father motherhood is our connection to Israel, right? Because we are, um, you know, we come, Jesus was Jewish, <laughs> you know what I mean? We, everything, the old Testament, like we all, we come out of that, that hub of Judaism. And so I just thought, you know what, I'm just going to respond to this dream. I, I, and it began to grow in my heart. Like for me, that's how I know like an idea grows in my heart and I just can't shake it. And I'm like, you know, I got to do this. There's life on this for me. And so I took a team, just like we used to take teams to parliament. I took a team to the Knesset wow. and we just booked meetings with members of the Knesset, just like we did in Canada. We booked meetings and we just, we honored them. We, th we thanked them. And we just spoke to them about how as young Canadians that we were standing with Israel and their right to defend themselves and their importance, the importance of their role as the only democratic institution in the Middle East that has uh, Jewish individuals, Israelis and Arab members all within their Knesset. And, and we just, we just honored the members of the Knesset. Okay. We didn't really know what, what we were doing. We were just doing the dream. Okay. Well, wow. while I'm there, I get invited to a meeting, kind of like a VIP meeting that ironically, um, a guy named Jason Kenney, you guys might know him. Uh, he was actually in Prime Minister Harper's cabinet at the time. Jason Kenney was supposed to be at this meeting, but because this was the summer of um, 2008, if I'm remembering correctly, Jason had to actually cancel his meeting because um, of an election call that summer, which again, there's a whole other backstory to that and what why that election got called in that way. So, which relates to, to prayer, I believe. So, but anyway, Jason had to cancel his, his appointment. So I was kind of like the next best thing in the lineup of Canadians because they didn't have any elected government officials that were there. So like, you know, Fateen, would you come as a, as a Canadian leader and we have an award that we want to present uh, to the Prime Minister of Canada. We realize you're not the Prime Minister of Canada, but we wanna give you this award and we're gonna give it to you to take back to Canada to give to wow. the Prime Minister. And I'm just wow. like, oh yeah, I have him on speed dial guys, for sure. You know, I'm just like being sarcastic in my head, but Crazy. I'm like, whatever, I'm gonna go with this. So I find myself in this ceremony where they're giving the Prime Minister of Canada, but I'm kind of there as proxy and they're giving him this plaque um, to honor him for his exceptional leadership in standing with the nation of Israel and, um, and their democratic journey, right? So, um, and so by the way, I just wanna say this because I know this is such a loaded issue right now. Uh, this is not an, an anti, Palestine um, uh, story here. <laughs> this is just, I am actually, we've done human rights um, 
uh, events actually to, to, to stick up for the Palestinian people as they're being oppressed by their own regime. And so I think it's important to stick up for everybody. You just got to make sure that you got the whole story right when you're doing it. So anyway, that's a little side note on this. Okay. Less that's kind of distracting anybody in this story. And so anyway, <laughs> I get given, I get given this plaque. Okay. This is in 2008. So it's right around Rosh Hashanah, 2008, September, 2008. I go back to Canada and I just reach out to my highest contact in the prime minister's office, which was this lady. She was amazing. Um, who her job was to keep people like us happy. She was like a, a stakeholder relations type person. And I said, Hey, I was just in Israel. I got presented this award. It was supposed to be given to Jason Kenny. Jason wasn't able to be there. I was there. They gave it to me. Uh, where can I send it? You know, I wasn't even asking for a meeting, nothing. I said, you know, where can I send this? And so she um, emails me back and says, just hold on to it. I'm going to book a meeting with you to meet with Prime Minister Harper to personally wow. deliver this award. Okay. Wow. The dream. So okay. I, I had never had a one-on-one -on -one with Prime Minister Harper at that point. We had met with him at different, like as a group, you know, where you got your like five minute photo op with the Prime Minister, you shake his hand and, you know, he's on to the next thing. But um, she said, no, I want to set up a one-on-one -on -one with you so that you can present him with this award of honor. Right. Isn't that amazing? So, wow. so anyway, that honor begets that honor. That's amazing. <laughs> Man. So that meeting uh, kept getting canceled because he had to uh, go to China and he had to go to this and that, you know, all these different things. Right. So I was not the highest on the rung at that point that it took a, a year and a half for that meeting to actually take place. But that meeting ended up landing in what I believe was a very providential time. Uh, it was St. Patrick's Day, uh, 2010. I hope I'm getting all the years right here. I've had a few babies, Sean, so I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm still calling back my memory on some stuff. But um, so uh, to, to, uh, March of 2010, uh, I get the phone call to meet with Prime Minister Harper, okay? And I'm like, at this point, I'm really in my heart. The main issue that I'm stirred up about is actually the issue of life. Because by this point in my journey, I had heard so many brutal stories of women being bullied into abortion, being pressured into abortion. I had had personal friends that had had to have hysterectomies because of abortions gone wrong that were never able to have children. And I was just so annoyed with the lack of courage in our leaders to even have a conversation about how abortion impacts women, okay, wow. who don't want them. Okay, so anyway, that was kind of my, you know, and you know this, Sean, that was kind of my soapbox. That was kind of my bandwagon. And so I wanted to, Sean, I wanted to go into that meeting. In my heart, I was not interested in giving them this award. I wanted to just read them the riot act about protecting women and, and who are being pushed and bullied into abortions, right? And so anyway, wow. but, I, but I did the wise supernatural thing and I actually spent some time in prayer, okay, before the meeting. And so- You never one. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I'm going to try to start bottom lining this here. So I, um, in my prayer time, I kind of felt this sit Betsy from the Holy Spirit. Like, you know, the Holy Spirit was like, you know, I, I know you want to go in there and I know this is what you want to say, but this is what I want you to say. And I had this sense because of a relationship with the guy who started this whole thing in the first place. And you know, the, the guy that sent me to the streets in Vancouver because of his love for people, you know, speaking of Jesus, Yeshua. Right. And so I'm in my prayer time and I just feel him say, listen, do not go in there and start talking about the abortion issue. I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, he's like, don't start talking about the abortion issue. He said, give him the award, honor him as you've been asked to do. And he said, the one thing I want you to say to him is I want you to compliment him for always allowing a free vote on issues of moral conscience. 
Wow. Like, okay. So I go into the meeting. I do what I felt the impression. So now we're, like, question now, just a little cat. Like, were you nervous? Were you, were you thinking like, I, I don't want to botch this. Were you thinking like, this is going to be a game changing moment for you and your journey. Like, what were you thinking going into that moment? Cause a lot of people like they, they wrestle to find the doors to open, to have these moments to influence people who of influence. And sometimes they sabotage it because they get so stir crazy and fan crazy that they can't be present in the moment and just be normal and yet still bring God into the moment. Like, did you have any of that going on? Like, cause here you are meeting with the, the leader of our country. Yeah. You know, I have to say, honestly, Sean, I remember actually saying to my team after that, I was surprised at how nervous I was because by that point we had already, we had met with hundreds. Like we got, we met with cabinet ministers. We, you know, okay. we were friends with cabinet like, you know, and so it was at that point, I wasn't easily enamored, but actually when I met prime minister Harper, I was taken aback. If I could say this, I was taken aback with the mantle on him at wow. that time like with the authority that he carried. And it was, it was startling. Like in the moment, it was startling for sure. But you just put on your big girl pants. You keep going, right? <laughs> you keep going. This is why you got to be prepared before the game, right? Like have to have those uh, locker room chats with Holy Spirit before you go. <laughs> so you know your cue cards, right? So anyway, so I go in and I begin to do with the still small voice, you know, uh, what I felt to do and discipline myself, right? In into obedience. And so I uh, give him the, give him the award. And at the end of the meeting, I just say, you know, I, I'm wondering if, um, if we could have your, your assurance that you will continue to allow, you know, free votes on issues of moral conscience. And he looks at me and he says, well, haven't, haven't I been steady on that? Haven't I always done that? And I said, well, <laughs> actually there's this whole unborn victims of violence bill that it looked like you're going to kind of whip the vote on the unborn victims of violence bill and so we were just kind of uncertain about that but we just want to say that this is one thing we actually love about you is that you always allow a free vote on issues of moral conscience and so he signals to his uh, pa and says okay can you go check on that you know uh kenneth bill or whatever and so so shake hands the meeting is done sean the next day, the 18th, 19th of March, 2010, uh, the Liberals uh, table a motion that if it would have passed, would have inserted an obligatory clause into the G8 summit meetings that Prime Minister Harper was just about to hold in Huntsville that year. Now, Prime Minister Harper, many people will remember this, wanted to platform the whole maternal health initiative that the whole focus of this initiative was to save children. Wow. in third world nations wow. and to save women from death in childbirth because of um, little things like not having clean water, not having proper medications, you know, to, to combat um, infections, that type of thing. And so he wanted to do this incredible maternal health initiative. And the liberals said, you know, no, if you're going to do this, it's got to have abortion in it. Okay. And wow. so little did I know the very issue that I was concerned about, you know, and, and the poor, you know, I'm just like, oh, man. And so the next day, the liberals are pushing this into the House of Commons. And Prime Minister Harper, long story short, he didn't think he was going to be able to win it. He was in a minority parliament at the point that point. And so his office starts lobbying his entire caucus to vote for the abortion motion and just put it to sleep because they didn't want a bunch of political drama around this. They didn't think they could win. Well, 
the next Tuesday, they have an emergency caucus meeting because a bunch of members of parliament in his caucus begin to say things like, you know what, with all due respect, we understand what you're saying, but I'm going to get a lot of pushback from my constituents if I do this. And so I'm going to be voting against the liberal motion. So he starts wow. to sniff out a bit of a coup within the caucus. So he goes the next Tuesday, calls an emergency caucus meeting gives his little pitch about why he thinks they should all support the liberal motion for to insert abortion into his maternal health initiative and but then after about his five or ten minute pitch he says these words and i'm told it was pretty much this almost word for word he said since i am committed to a free vote on issues of moral conscience. Wow, that's amazing. I know, it's crazy. Since I'm committed to a, a free vote on issues of moral conscience, I would like to hear what you guys have to say. He gives the floor, the open mic, and literally a lineup of members of parliament stand up and say, we're sorry, we cannot vote for this liberal motion. This needs to be about saving lives of women who are in childbirth. It can't be about some other political thing. And so Prime Minister Harper in 45 minutes changes his tone and says, okay, guys, we're going to go into the House of Commons and I would like to propose that we all together vote against the liberal motion. We're probably going to lose. It's probably going to cause a lot of drama in the media, but let's just show, show a, a consolidated effort here because it's clear the majority of the caucus wants to vote against this liberal motion. So they go into the House of Commons <laughs> and this is where it's like the crazy steps in. Um, they go into the House of Commons The most of the conservative caucus, I think all of the conservative caucus voted against the liberal motion. And um, because the liberal, because of that, because the conservative caucus voted against the liberal motion, because at that time people will remember, might remember it was Michael Ignatieff, Ignatieff that was at the lead right there. There was an administrative mix up and the liberal caucus actually got their bills mixed up and they ended up voting for the bill they were supposed to vote against and voted against their own wow. motion. Spirit of confusion. Totally. The liberal caucus. Ignatiev actually spent the next two days in the media apologizing for the blunder and the fact that they defeated their own motion. And because of that, and because a couple of liberal MPs actually crossed the floor, the motion, I would say, against all odds, was absolutely defeated. That is insane. Yeah. And on so the other so, so when, when you heard, like, when you're hearing all this, were you putting all the pieces together in the moment, or was it like sort of months after the fact that you realized? the magnitude of all those steps from the Knesset to this moment now, like, did it, were you like present in the moment when all this was happening or was it kind of more after the fact you saw the domino effect of it? Yeah. True confessions. I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember. Probably not. I probably wasn't that present in the moment, but, but yeah, looking back and just, and then there are more elements to the story as well, but just for the sake of time, I just kind of tried to drive to the point there, but you know, we look at that. And so just so Harper went into the G8, he was able to table his maternal health initiative in its an intended form, in its original form. And he came out of the G8 summit with an additional $1 billion to maternal health initiatives. And we, we have no idea how many wow. lives that that wow. saved just because they were able to stay focused on saving the lives of women and children in third world nations. They were able to stay focused on that rather than having to wow. divvy it all up into in a bunch of other-, other it's, almost, it's, it's almost like your honor in that moment was like a reminder of what he was about. 
that's what it feels like. I mean, I mean, you said it, whether we know fully or not, like he said in that moment, he noted to his PA, Hey, bring up that, that bill or whatever. It was almost like you reminded him. It's like what God does to us, right? When he, I mean, God honors us. I mean, we honor God, of course, but he honors us by speaking life over us, reminding us who we are as his sons, his daughters. And when we are reminded of who we are, it like brings life. And it's almost like it redirects our life because we can go down sometimes a path without even realizing we're going down the path until we meet God. It's almost like he met God in that moment in his office on an issue that was really important by meeting you. It was like God in Fatim showed up in Prime Minister Harper's office to remind him of what he was about, who he was. And it's like you saw the result of like the the car turning in a new direction. That's powerful. I every every interview we do, I always try to feel out, okay, what is the main premise or subject of this conversation? Because it always goes from like someone's story, someone's testimony to like this is the subject. I feel like if there was a subject for this conversation, it would be the power of honor or how we honor to influence like honor is sort of the launching pad to influence. I mean, one of the ways we honor is pray. Of course we pray from a distance. That's one of the ways I believe we honor by blessing and declaring life over people, even if we don't know them or meet them. But the next step is when we're in a moment with them to actually do something that demonstrates that honor. And you did that. And it was almost like it, it caused a total shift and uh, man, that's that's so powerful. Now, just for the sake of time, because I think there's so much good in this. And I think, like I said, I, I would call this probably the power of honor or we honor to influence at some level. But what would you say to the listeners right now for a key takeaway that they could apply to their life, whether it's business, media, arts and entertainment, whether it's family, I mean, any area that we would deem as an area to influence in society as a supernatural leader, what would you say? Give us, give us a little bit of a challenge when it comes to honor that we could apply to our leadership. Well, I, can I actually, I don't know if this is a direct answer to what you're asking, but if I could just say this, I, I think a really critical key is that you have to be, you have to do life with the end in mind. Wow. And if you're, if you're just trying to be a good leader for the sake of being a good leader and I don't know that to me just feels so empty like for me what drives me to be an excellent leader would or to try to I'm not saying that I am um but what drives me to obedience to these faith steps is beginning with the end in mind and when I look back at the end of my life Sean what do I want to be able to say I want to be able to say that I spent it in a worthwhile way. I want to be able to say that I have healthy kids and a healthy marriage and healthy family. I didn't blow everybody out. That's a whole other conversation. I want to be able to say that I did things that mattered, you know, that I, that I cared about people, that I fought for people, that, wow. that, that I did things that will have an echo in, in, in the eternal realm. And if you, if you begin with the end in mind, I think sometimes we're focusing on like, how do I be a good leader? You know, how do I so good. do this, that, or the other thing? But it's not, all of that comes together when, you're, when your why is right. And I've heard people in a, in a secular sense say this all the time. Like if your why is big enough, you're gonna figure out the how. You're gonna figure out what matters. But if your why is, if your why is off, 
if your why is off, everything else is going to be, is going to be off. And so I would just say that, like, if you wanted to give people some homework for the next seven days, like just really evaluate your life and what you're building and how you're spending your time with the end in mind. You know, I burn to fight for the poor and the oppressed and to leave my nation better than I found. It is what I'm doing today, actually accomplishing that. Um, how can I be better at that? You know, and if, if what I'm doing today is not accomplishing that, then I got to cut it out. I've got to, because my time and my life is too valuable and everything else will build a trajectory into that funnel of purpose and destiny and impact and effectiveness. If your if your why is correct, you know, I would encourage your listeners to, to live with eternity in mind don't live with your bank account in mind because that's going to burn you know don't live with, with with your pursuit of power or influence in mind because you know again like so what shall it what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul you know and so beginning with the end in mind and i think you know i look at daniel i look at joseph i look at esther like i think every one of these amazing biblical heroes i think we're rooted in in that they understood that there was something bigger than them that mattered more than them that they were going to be accountable to on at the end of this thing wow wow that's great i think that's great i think that thought and that statement let it hover over hover over every listener out there for the next i'd say three months begin with the end in mind what is the end supposed to look like or what do you feel like the end what do you desire the end to look like and start there and go backwards? Cause I think that everybody at some level, you know, they, they, they want to find their why, but they just don't know how to do it. They don't know how to find their why, especially in a season like we are in right now in a pandemic, especially if you're living in Ontario, it's like, you know, knowing how to do what to do is very different in this timeline than it was three years ago when we were free, you know, and I think in this season for some people, it's even harder to find their wide, harder to begin with the end in mind when we just feel stuck in the now on these lockdowns and restrictions, but there's always a pivot. There's always a way, there's always a way through. And if God had, has led us to this point, wherever you live, doesn't matter. He will also lead you through this point. And um, if you can get a hold of that, and I'd say, practically speaking, I mean, this is not cliche, but spend time with God. I mean, this podcast is all about being presence-led, not just principle-led as a leader. So spend time with God, you know, talking to him in conversation. At some point, the more you converse with someone, the more like you become. You become like them, and you begin to think like them, and you begin to act like them. Well, that's the nature that's the that's the the power of prayer in our life power of conversation the power of being present with god i mean he's present with us all the time but we're not always present with god we're kind of detached and distracted by many things and so i would encourage every listener out there to to do the best you can in this season to begin with the end in mind start with honor honor him in your life as the first as the priority those around you and then watch what begins to unfold you may just find all of a sudden you just desire things. You just have a, you just have a, a a new reason for living, a new motivation, new drive. You just it might not you might not be because you prayed about it. Just because you spent time with him, you got the drive. You got the why. You got the purpose. It just became a part of your your being, your spirit. And so, 
let that be sort of your little activation, your takeaway. Um, Faitine, you know, we, we need your voice, not only in Canada, we need your voice uh, around the world. I know you've done a lot of things around the world. I know you're very, very uh, involved and influential in media with your TV show. Just as we close, um, I would have liked to dive in. Maybe we can do this again, talk more about your media influence. But just for time's sake, just as we close, I know that all this governmental stuff and the issues of the day and your social justice bent, a lot of that is um, projected or you know megaphoned from the platform of your media and TV show and stuff. And we need to hear more of this. You have a, a new project on the go. Just give us like a 30 second snapshot of what's happening. You bought some land. How can people connect with you and partner with you and, and help this journey along seeing as you've inspired so many people probably already? Thanks, Sean. Um, yeah, it's been a wild ride. So about 2017, 2018, we took the leap, went into broadcast media. If people want to join me every week, uh, we're on Fateen TV. Go to Fateen TV is my website, and it's Fateen TV speaking to the issues shaping the nation. We actually have a podcast as well, so people can go into their app store and find us there. We're on YouTube, Facebook, and Air Nationwide on eight networks. And then, yeah, you're right. We just started a second show as well. So specifically just to pray for people. Cause honestly, Sean, we just, we've been getting so many phone calls through our political show with people asking for prayer, particularly shut-ins and seniors. And so we said, you know, we need to launch the second TV show just to minister to people. And so wow. we're doing that for about three months. So people can find all that at fateen.tv. Uh, we do have, have a smartphone app as well. So people can just download it right into their phone and they'll get notifications. But then um, it was uh, just last week, actually on thir Thursday, um, early June, we acquired 10 acres just outside of St. John here, and we've got a whole vision to build a local studio here so we can just keep taking media up to the next level. And obviously, we got to talk with zoning and, and figure out what we can and can't do. But our heart is to create a real facility for strategic networking, for think tanks, for roundtables, where people can come in and just be equipped um, at, at kind of more of an elite uh, level in terms of how to influence our nation. Uh, in really powerful ways. Uh, but we're, we're taking it one step at a time. You know, we still have to have all the conversations. But if people want to get hooked in with that as well and, and just track with our journey, you can follow me on Facebook. I'm sure we'll be bantering about it there or just sign up uh, for our email list through my, my um, website, fateen.tv, and we'll be sending information out about where we're going with the property development. It's exciting. That's awesome. That's awesome. And even if you're from a different country, not Canada, listening to this, which I know you, many of you are, uh, I'd encourage you. This is good soil to invest in, to partner with. Fateen is one of the most influential, I believe, Christian leaders in our country. And I would encourage you to check her out, get connected, get subscribed to all of her channels or social media platforms. I know it will bless and strengthen and inspire your life. Well, thank you so much, Fateen for taking time out of your crazy schedule to be on this podcast. I appreciate you and uh, thank you for inspiring so many people. You're, you're an incredible individual. Oh, thanks, Sean. Much respect. I look forward to going and listening to all your other podcasts now. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks again for all you listeners out there. Once again, on their Supernatural Leadership episode coming at you. My name is Sean Gaby and I want to say thank you so much for stopping by and uh, we'll see you next time. If this podcast has been an investment into your life and or impacted you in any way, 
we are incredibly thankful. We would love for you to join us in being able to continue bringing leadership content like this every month. Of course, it does not come without a cost, and our heart is to continue bringing you more improved quality and content. If you would like to partner with us with a one-time financial gift or to sign up as a monthly partner, you can do so at kingdomculture.ca. Thank you for listening to the Supernatural Leadership Podcast.